1: is a calling I am honored and eager to answer. So yeah, now it's clean up on aisle 45 time. And for a long while yet, it is going to be clean up on aisle 45.
2: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Episode 5 of Clean Up on Aisle 45. I am Andrew Torres.
0: And I'm AG, Allison Gill. How are you, Andrew? I am fantastic, Allison. How are you? Oh, you know, hanging in there. Um, <laughs> had a little bit of a roller coaster over the weekend. I know that's what we're going to open up with. Um, I was very uh, disheartened. Uh, I I was full of awesome feelings on Friday and then very disheartened, uh, when they voted to have witnesses and then decided against it. But then, you know, I've been thinking about it and, uh, you know, moving on in my own head and we're sort of going to go over that, uh, <laughs> a little bit, uh, here in the introduction because that's, that's the big story of the weekend.
2: Yeah. I, th- I think that's right. Um, I, I, like i'm going through the you know kubler ross stages of grief and uh maybe this podcast will help get get some folks on to the acceptance level i i'll lay it out there i think uh this was a tactical mistake uh i think it was obviously a uh, a moral mistake uh but but even if you want to say like well you know we 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 gave up on uh, you know, sort of the moral high ground in order to, you know, and then we can talk about the variety of excuses that have been offered, I'll answer some of the questions that people have said. Um, I, 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 I guess maybe start off with, are, are people giving too much credit to the fact that Lindsey Graham cast a spite vote in favor of witnesses, mm. right? Um it, it I, I have seen folks saying like, well, see, you know, that means that the Republicans had a, you know, Xanatos triple gambit that was going to, you know, call hundreds of witnesses and, you know, block the Senate forever. Yeah. Deal with that. (laughs) My thought on why
0: Lindsey Graham cast that vote was if the Republicans were to put forth any witnesses, they needed to have at least one person who had voted for it to put forth those witnesses, lest they be shot down saying, you didn't vote for witnesses. Uh, And so I think that that was just frankly, a gambit, if there was any 3D chess involved, to just open the door if they wanted to call any. Uh, Not that, uh, I mean, personally, and we've actually learned because, you know, through discussions that were had all night before that vote happened, that the the threat of hundreds or 300 witnesses and delaying uh, Biden's agenda was an idle threat. They didn't have the votes to do it and they didn't have the power to do it. It was just an idle threat. And so that can't have been the reason the Democrats decided not to call witnesses.
2: Yeah, um, I, I love, let's break down both components of that because I think, I think you're absolutely right on both. Um, I haven't seen anybody else Making the point that you made about uh, needing somebody to have to have affirmatively said, yes, we want witnesses in the event that they would attempt to introduce, uh, you know, a particular witness on the Republican side. Um, we we know from the stories and the reporting that, you know, everything was moving kind of quickly that Saturday morning. So I I, I think your read on Lindsey Graham is 100 percent correct anybody who thinks lindsey graham is outsmarting uh you know anybody uh let alone jamie raskin like i i would we we need to have words on that um (laughs) but 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 let's also talk about the you know the hundreds of witnesses uh implied threat um that's not the way impeachment works right at at each stage uh there is a senate resolution it has to pass by a straight majority vote. That's it. It's a, it's a bill, right? And because it's a bill, um, it's a Kamala Harris can break ties kind of bill. Not that the Democrats didn't already have, you know, Mitt Romney on their side, essentially caucusing as a, as a Democrat for this. I mean, they, they were, they were not going to lose Mitt Romney, um, not after watching uh Mitt Romney be sixty feet away from death, right? Mm. <laughs> like I, I thought that was that was pretty clear. Um and so right, so SRES sixteen set up the initial briefing schedule, and then once there was a constitutional vote, right, the fifty six forty four to go forward, then the Senate immediately had to pass another resolution describing the rules that would take place, right, uh, during the actual trial. Those rules specifically said, if we call witnesses, then we'll pass another resolution that governs how the witnesses will be called. Um, it, it did specify, as our uh, Senate Res 47 specified, that any witnesses called would be deposed first, right? Which means, by the way, that goes to a committee, Right. Uh, that 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 deposition is not in front of the entire Senate, um, and so yeah, you, you can get on and conduct additional business in the full Senate while the witnesses are being deposed, um, and uh, and every rule would have been subject to the Democratic majority, so there was zero chance that we were going to get you know Hunter Biden and. Whatever
0: <laughs> did Rule Forty Seven say that for each dem witness called, the Republicans would also get a witness? Nope. Yeah, and so that was something else that I heard too. Because here's what, here's my preference as to what would have gone down. And I, I first of all, I want to just. Preface this by saying that the House managers did an incredible job presenting their case. It was airtight. It was beautiful. It was incredible. The the dichotomy between uh, Trump's defense counsel and the House managers' presentation was the Grand Canyon. There's like no (laughs) comparison. Um, But having said that, here's how I wish it would have gone. Uh, Because you know, people might say, "Hey, it wasn't a mistake. We're moving forward. It wouldn't have changed the outcome." And I've got answers to all those objections. But the fact that we're even talking about it now and the fact that people were upset about it is what the is what the problem is. So what what I wish they would have done was either not call for witnesses at all and just have have having left the case as it was or put forth a resolution saying we wish to call only Herrera Butler Herrera Butler to to be deposed in the House. And then she can either we either play those tapes or she testifies in the Senate that's our resolution. We're putting it forth, and if we couldn't get 51 votes when we had just gotten 56 votes, if you don't count Lindsey Graham, 55, to 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 have that to have a witness specifically based on that reporting and Butler's account, who was a friendly witness, uh, if that doesn't pass, then hey, we didn't have the votes to pass it, and then we move forward. And I would have been okay with that. Uh, I think that the the issue. It became an issue when a witness was dangled and then pulled out from under us. That's literally it,
2: yeah i I agree and endorse that a hundred percent. and let's i I want to drill down on a number of the things that you've said um but but I guess uh, let me overview that with it is clear that every day that impeachment was in the news, we won over more undecideds and Republicans. We saw that mathematically, right? And so, you know, I, I know this is, I, I don't want to steal your answer as well, but the people who are saying, well, where are you going to get the 10 extra votes from? I would say to them, okay, which one of you had Bill Cassidy, 135 year old from Louisiana as the first Republican to jump ship? Put your hand down, you're lying, right? Um, uh, it Richard Richard Burr my my own personal top of Yodel mountain uh I, <laughs> I I actually did have him on the maybe list um but but yeah it, it if you couldn't predict Cassidy and nobody on earth could have predicted Cassidy then you don't know who it's gonna be just too much to swallow yeah are you ever gonna get Ted Cruz or Lindsey no. Graham or to Howie to Ryan. stop? Yeah, to stop swallowing shit. No, like they're going to, they ask for a bigger spoon and, you know, mm-hmm. both hands. But, but we saw that there are limits to ordinary human beings. And I just think ending this on a Saturday evening, you know, afternoon, it just, I, 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 I think it was a mistake. Well, and that argument aside, uh, even if,
0: I personally was saying I don't want a witness to change more Republican minds. I want a witness to change more American minds. And we all know, everybody knows, every lawyer knows, every single prosecutor I've ever spoken to in my entire life knows that witness testimony trumps (laughs) uh, documentary evidence or a a stipulation on the record. 100 percent of the time, all the time, especially if it's a friendly witness who has agreed to testify to the things that you want them to say now. Some of the other objections that <laughs> that uh, came up first, a lot of people said that maybe the threat somehow from Lindsey Graham or Jason Miller with his 300 list, uh, w- you know, wasn't an idle threat, which it was. But let's say uh, it wasn't and they were going to delay stuff. My, They're saying it would drag this out and prevent Biden's agenda from moving forward. I, I don't see how that was possible because. Like I said, the Senate's had the votes to depose Butler, I'm sure. Uh, We saw that again with that 55-45 vote to allow witnesses. I know it was 56-45. I don't count Lindsey Graham. (laughs) Uh, But the GOP can't filibuster that. There's no filibuster in place for that vote. And, And again, if we didn't have 51 votes to call just her... Then have that vote and show me, yeah, or just tell me we didn't have fifty one votes, so we're not going to go forward with it now, if we did, and we put that forward and we got the votes, it wouldn't take more than a week to depose Herrera Butler and get her testimony in front of the Senate or to have her testify uh in front of the Senate. It wouldn't take in, would not have taken more of a week, more than a week, yeah. and the Senate is out this week. They are in their home states, working from their home states. I don't know why. I personally don't think they should have left Washington this week. Um, If they weren't going to have an impeachment trial, if they weren't doing a deposition, they should be confirming Merrick Garland, for example. Uh, And so I, you know, but nonetheless, it would not have delayed anything. And if anyone was saying, well, we're going to filibuster all your future legislation
2: they're going to do
0: that anyway
2: right? yeah yeah there there is there is no goodwill to be gained by bargaining with uh you know somebody who if it's prisoner's dilemma right like always turns evidence right like they they always that they're always going to behave in the most self-interested uh least helpful way to democrats yeah I, oh, I, another uh,
0: uh, uh somebody said well they'll filibuster biden's Cabinet picks they can't do that either. Cabinet confirmation hearings are not subject to the filibuster. They're, well they'll they'll won't let code really through. We are going through budget reconciliation through the, with that. We don't have a filibuster on that. Um, They said, and again, Mitch threatened to filibuster legislation not eligible for budget reconciliation like the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. Mitch was already going to filibuster that, like I said. And Senate Democrats can change the budget reconciliation rules to get them passed without the Republicans. You could do they can do that. Senator Schumer has said he is thinking about doing that. So there's no
2: way they
0: could have they could have waylaid the
2: Biden agenda. It, it, three things come to mind. One Um, In in addition to um, your proposal, I I think just as a lawyer, right, I would have wanted to hear testimony from at least one member of the Capitol Police. Mm -hmm. Right. That is you talk about how testimony is far more gut wrenching than uh, than than documentary evidence. You know, let's put somebody up on the stand who is unimpeachable, you know, member of the blue, like uh, Republicans, that's your red meat. Right. And and have him talk about, uh, you know, what he or or she was feeling that day. That's that's kind of. My my witness, I would have liked to have seen.
0: Yeah. And and I spoke to Mary Trump yesterday who said the same thing. She wanted to hear from Capitol Police, maybe their family members, perhaps some staffers, congressional staffers. uh, And 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 I can I agree with that. Now, I'm just I just don't understand. And I still don't understand why they didn't just put forth that simple resolution. And vote on it, uh, even if it was just for the for the one witness. Somebody said, "Well, you have to have one and one." Great, then have Nancy Pelosi
2: testify too. Do you think that's going to help Trump? Cool. I I I don't know. I don't know where they're getting that from, right? So you you'd ask that that issue. I pulled up. Senate Resolution 47.
0: Someone told them. Someone, someone I'm going to
2: read Section 7A and B. It's, it's pretty short, right? You can do this yourself. This is page 5, Senate Resolution 47, Section 7A. If the Senate agrees to allow either the House of Representatives or the former president to subpoena witnesses, by the way, that implies that they could allow one side but not the other. So take that. The witnesses shall first be deposed and the parties allowed appropriate discovery. The Senate shall decide after deposition and other appropriate discovery, which, if any, witnesses shall testify pursuant to the rules of impeachment. No testimony shall be admissible in the Senate unless the parties have had the opportunity to depose such witnesses and conduct other appropriate discovery. B. If the Senate agrees to allow either party to subpoena witnesses, provisions for the admission of evidence, issuance of subpoenas, arrangements for depositions, other appropriate discovery, testimony by witnesses in the Senate. If such testimony is ordered by the Senate and any related matters are to be determined by subsequent resolution of the Senate, period. That's it. Put that to rest. All right. Well, here here.
0: Here's the only thing that was kind of knocking around in my brain where I would be like, okay, um. Could calling the, just even the one witness perhaps impact negatively future criminal proceedings uh, for the prosecution? And could they not tell us that because that would be uh, sort of saying that there is a criminal investigation into Donald Trump and they can't say that? That's my only I'm, – I'm hanging on that <laughs> one little hope.
2: So I don't think so for a couple of reasons, right? The first is there is no reason to believe and every reason to believe the the contrary, that there is any communication between DOJ prosecutors who are already, you know, rounding up bringing indictments on those who participated in, in the, uh, the insurrection on, on January 6th and the house managers, right? You, you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't link, you wouldn't leak that way. And secondly, uh, at As I've said from the beginning, um, the criminal case against Donald Trump for incitement to riot or incitement of inter- insurrection is way, way weaker. Right. It's much, much harder to prove because you actually have a viable First Amendment defense of. I get to say horrible shit, and so long as there's not an immediate nexus in time between my saying horrible shit and the horrible shit happening, then... That's considered protected speech. Now, you know, as with my honkball example, right, we can come up with lots of things that are protected speech that are nevertheless impeachable if the president says it. Um, So. uh, uh, So, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't think if you traded, I'll say it this way. If Jamie Raskin traded the ability to uh, have another three or four days of damning impeachment proceedings against the president for future criminal proceedings related to the insurrection i think that would be a terrible trade and i and i I think jamie raskin is much smarter
0: okay um then what about this okay (laughs) (laughs) oh by the way first of all remember last week during this particular podcast clean up on our 45 when you said you know if a president swore fealty to the netherlands uh and uh you know that's is that protected speech uh it would be if he was a regular citizen it's not if he's a president jamie raskin used Ah. that very specific example (laughs) this is why
2: why i'm complimenting his uh his genius his good looks you know (laughs) (laughs) no
0: so you know i was texting back and forth with um Amy, who's, you know, uh, one of the uh, co-hosts on The Daily Beans, and I said, you know, if they didn't have the votes to depose Butler or if Butler changed her mind, which we found out later she did not, a lot of people were saying that she was not a friendly witness, or if they don't want to taint a future criminal proceeding, then just tell me that. I'm not five years old. Yeah. I also said, if your actual reason is we already made our case, we made our case, then I'm going to ask why the hell you voted to have witnesses in the first place, unless that was the only way you could get this new evidence into the record? Yeah. Is that a possibility? Because, the but then there didn't seem like there should have been an hour uh, quorum call to figure things out. Everyone seemed to sort of, be, things seemed to be in chaos. Uh, many senators didn't know this was coming. Uh, and so... It doesn't seem like that's the case. And if your reason is the Republicans won't change their minds, I would say, why Why did you vote for witnesses in the first place? Then why did you hold the vote? Again, same thing. Why did you even hold the vote for witnesses? The only thing I could think of, maybe maybe there was a deal. Maybe there was a Mitch agreed to... You know, maybe they got it in writing that he won't filibuster the John the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. Maybe, maybe there was a deal. Mitch agreed. Uh, you know what? I'll give a speech. I'll give a speech after this, if you let this go. I'll give a speech saying Trump is guilty, and I voted on a technicality. I, uh, you know, that's
2: I don't know. That's not the most. Uh, that's far more plausible than any of the objections that I've heard. So I I, I will say that, um, the way I evaluate it is. Um, And and I thought, you know, when we had uh, Dan Goldman on, um, I I thought it was sort of illustrative of where perhaps the House managers were going. Right. Which is um, I think they were torn. Right. I think Jamie Raskin did not know coming into impeachment if, uh, you know, and you say to him, like, okay, imagine it goes. The best it could possibly go, which by the way it did, right?
0: Yeah, it did. They had they put out an incredible case. Yeah. Amazing.
2: Do you want to call witnesses or do you want to rest, right? And I think Jamie Raskin, I think he was, you know, 70, 30 one way or the other. But I think he didn't know going into the impeachment. And I think that that was a mistake, right? Like, I I think maybe it's because I'm a lawyer and I'm anal retentive and detail oriented and all of these other things that might be compliments or insults. But, like, I would want to know before undertaking a trial, like, exactly what my contingencies are.
0: Well... Did he know about Did he know about the uh, the Herrera Butler story? I mean, it seemed to be breaking yeah. that night. However, Herrera Butler told her, you know, her folks back in her district on February eighth, and she's kind of been talking about it. and And the reporting about the crazy McCarthy call came out even before that. Uh, we I guess we just didn't know the details. So I I feel like it should have been considered as a hypothetical like what if we have a slam dunk republican witness who heard (laughs) trump say he knew where pence was but i mean it's it's got to be very it's got to be impossible to sort of game out every possible situation so i think that perhaps that reporting took
2: them by surprise i think that's right and i think that um i think that one of the things that is attractive to a litigator is uh, oh look i mean so here's here's how i parse out that story. And again, I'm on the outside. I have zero insider information with respect to this. Um, The the original connection to Donald Trump not only did not care, but continued to encourage on the insurrectionists, even after he knew Mike Pence was in danger, was via Mike Lee and Tommy Tuberville. Right. And that was Washington Post reporting. That was something that, you know, in lawyer terms. Right. Like you you would you would say, um, you know, that that the court could take judicial notice of that fact. Right. Like it's a fact. It was reported. Mike Lee. Right. On day one, uh, you know, Dyspeptically got up and swore like, "You've got to! This is an absolute lie!" That was I was there, and it's my office. Yeah, never minding that the Tuberville validated,
0: right? Yeah, Tuberville was like, "No, that that happened, but that happened, you guys. Uh, I was, I, I, I don't object yeah. to any of that, and he no? did not. Uh,
2: and it was." Very clear. So you look at that and go, oh, and and I've had this happen, right, as a lawyer, in which you, you, you think a particular point is going to be uncontested. They then make a stupid argument and you're like, well, damn, now I need to figure out another way to establish this fact that I didn't. And then you see the ability to catch them in a lie, right, with... A member of their own party. And that's that's really tempting. Right. Like I, it. So the way I put all of that together is I think Raskin was opposed to calling witnesses for the agenda point. Right. At the, at the outset. Um, but. Not 100 percent. Right. In In the back of his mind, he was like, well, I know this would be a good thing from a trial perspective.
0: Well, and we know um, that because Schumer had had said subsequently, like, hey, uh, you they haven't decided yet. And if they want to, we'll support it. My caucus is behind it. And Schumer said he had the votes to do it. So it had been yeah, discussed.
2: Yeah. So I think then the idea of being able to immediately catch the Republicans in a lie was what sort of pushed uh, Raskin from no to yes on Saturday morning. I'm I'm glad for that. Uh and then it was kind of a a free for all, right? And and I, it is I I I know you you had a little bit of the tongue in the cheek on that one. Um but it's clear that McConnell did not want to have witnesses. And uh you know, you you I, I'm wondering. I, I I
0: seriously if they sat there for that hour and and if McConnell wasn't like, I'll tell you what I'll do. <laughs> Uh, I will give a speech uh, saying that Trump is guilty uh, and I voted on technicality if you just don't do this.
2: Could be. And, and, And look, if that's the case... Then I, I don't know that I would fault you for taking it.
0: Yeah, and also why not just be why not just act like a Republican would normally act and come out after the fact and say that speech Mitch gave I traded the witness away for that. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> I you
2: know? I don't
0: I we fabulous because you know how many 2022 campaign commercials are going to be cut from that oh speech. Oh my God! Yes. Yeah, I it I and criminal proceedings. That is going to be evidence in criminal proceedings. Hundred
2: percent. I I I texted you. I said we we belong to the Charlie Brown Christmas tree of political parties. <laughs> um, it, it, it and it feels that way. And and watching the democrats say, watching people on our side say like well you know like mcconnell was gonna retaliate and it's just like where have you been since 2014 right with what that he
0: wasn't already gonna do i mean here's here's what i wanted this would have been impeachment trial porn Mm. for me i want (laughs) i what i would have liked let's cue the music the minute (laughs) (laughs) the minute that that people started saying, you know, that people were going to vote based on a decided thing that that it is constitutional. The Senate decided it is constitutional, yep. right, to 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 do this, to go forward with this impeachment trial. Anyone who said who continued to argue that it was not constitutional, Leahy should have removed them as oh, jurors.
2: Oh God, you've got it. Uh,
0: yes, like that okay. is. <laughs> and, and then if the Republicans went, blah, 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 and they blew up, you go, hey, you know what? We're in charge. Have a seat, turtle dick. <laughs> and then- and then, if any of them had said they already made up their mind, I would remove them as jurors. And if anyone who you know was like any of this impropriety that was happening, that wouldn't that wouldn't stand in a court of law because there are no hard and fast rules for impeachment. Yes, it's a political process. No, it is not a court of law. But there is nothing stopping the Democrats from using their majority to make these rules. And I, why not just swing your majority dick around and um, use them? I'm,
2: I. So two things. One, I'm 100 percent with you and, and that uh, we have we have some impeachment porn to talk about uh, during the break. Uh, two, I want to point out that I thought that this was a, a possibility and, you know, we saw it as a vote only from from Richard Burr. Um, but but in the law. Right. District court judges. You, federal district court judges do this all the time they will say i lack right i'm going to grant this motion to dismiss uh because the court lacks jurisdiction and then the losing party appeals it goes up to the circuit court of appeal that sits over you know where your judges are at right? the 4th circuit or the court of appeals for the DC circuit or whatever and a three judge panel of that court reverses and says Yep. Got it. You thought there was no jurisdiction. Turns out there is. Now answer the question. It goes back. And the judge can say, I totally you know, I still think this court lacks jurisdiction. But you know what? The Fourth Circuit told me we've got it. So if we've got it, here's where I am on the merits. You don't get to just keep saying I'm not going to look at the merits because I don't think I should have the case. Yeah. Or
0: uh, uh, again, during my discussion with Mary Trump, she's like, look, if you're if you're a potential juror in a capital case, and you say that you don't believe the death penalty, you aren't going to be a juror because you can't decide the case. It is the exact same thing as saying, I don't believe this is constitutional. Well, it is, and therefore you can't help decide this case. Stricken. Bye. Have a nice time. You can go color in your map of Asia from home.
2: <laughs> I, I'm, I'm still with you on point one, so uh, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know that I have anything to add beyond that. Shall so we? Uh... Yeah.
0: Well, I just want to say that now it's it's over. We've kvetched, and uh, it, I've gotten we've gotten our points across. We are still dyed in the wool Democrats. We still think that the House managers did an outstanding, incredible job, and they presented an airtight case. So good that they got two more votes than we thought they were going to get. The largest margin, bipartisan speaking, in the history of the country in an impeachment of a president. Absolutely stellar case it complaining about this does not take away from the immense job the just how incredible they did it's i don't want to take away from that at all i just don't want anyone to think i'm trying to split the party (laughs) or i'm angry at democrats i am not i am still that um but you know i think it's important to talk about these things and i i don't think it's going to I don't think we're going to splinter in quite the way that the Republican yeah. Party is about to splinter. Uh, in fact, I don't think at all. I think we can all say, ah, I think that sucked. You think it was great. Yeah. All right, cool. Handshake. Move on. We're still going to win in 2022.
2: Absolutely. And and Lindsey Graham has to resign his Senate seat now. I don't know if you saw the, uh, the wager I sent out. But yeah, no. <laughs> uh, Lindsey Graham, the morning after the... Democratic House managers rested their opening statement, said, you know, they just went so far there. There are more and more people every day are realizing that, uh, you know, those votes are going to be votes to acquit. And so I uh, I I challenged him to a wager on Twitter. I said, look, yeah, we're at fifty six forty four. If. Uh, if we get more votes than that, you have to resign your Senate seat. If we get fewer votes than that, you can host opening arguments. And
0: um, well, did he yeah. did he accept though?
2: Uh, as far as I could tell, uh, silence equals yes, acceptance. Yes, you're right. right.
0: Yeah. Silence is concession always. Yeah, that's the Republican rule, right? Now yeah. I have to read every single tweet that's sent to me. Okay. <laughs> uh, and, well. Anyhow, I think it you know it's very important. Now we move forward the criminal investigation, the 9/11 style uh, yep. commission that's going to be put Absolutely. together, independent of the government. I think it's a, a wonderful idea. Maybe even a special counsel will be appointed to look into this. The FBI is continuing with the arrests. We're going to move forward, and there will be accountability, uh, and there will be policy change made based on what happened on January 6th. And and I'm looking forward to it. So I just wanted, but I just wanted to put that out there because I want people to know we we don't mean anything other than the exact things that we disagree with uh in that particular discussion now speaking of the break and uh more impeachment porn we do have to take a quick one so everybody stick around we'll be right back with more cleanup on aisle 45 hey everybody it's ag and today's episode of the cleanup on aisle 45 podcast is brought to you by magic spoon a cereal so delicious you will not believe it's healthy I've been a cereal fanatic since I was a kid, I would plop down and watch Saturday morning cartoons and eat practically a whole box, but as an adult, I've mostly had to give it up because of all the brands that I love being filled with sugar and chemicals and carbs. But not Magic Spoon. It is so delicious you seriously won't believe it's made without all the sugar, carbs, or guilt. If you're a cereal lover like me, you have to give Magic Spoon a try. As Forbes magazine says, with cereal that tastes this good and offers so much nutritional value, as opposed to, well, none, Magic Spoon may be the future of breakfast. And I agree. Magic Spoon cereals amazingly have zero sugar, 12 grams of protein, and only three net grams of carbs in each serving. It is keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, high-protein, and GMO-free. And the best part... It's extremely delicious. With four amazing flavors, including cocoa, fruity, frosted, and blueberry. You can see the vintage vibe there. Magic Spoon tastes incredible. Honestly, it's too good to be true, but it is real. My favorite flavor right now is cocoa. It is chocolatey and delicious, and I can pour it in the bowl and then drink the chocolatey milk. It's amazing, and it's so healthy and nutritious, and I can't even believe it's guilt-free, but it is. So go to magicspoon.com slash cleanup. To grab a variety pack, try all four flavors today. And be sure to use our promo code CLEANUP at checkout to get free shipping. Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee, so if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, all of it, no questions asked. That's magicspoon.com cleanup, and use the code CLEANUP for free shipping. And we thank Magic Spoon for sponsoring the podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back. It is time for the next block of Clean Up on L45, and this block is dedicated to lawyers behaving badly, lawyer shaming. That's what we're doing for this particular block, and we're going to start with the litany of easily disproven lies that emerged from the mouths of Vanderveen, Castor, and Schoen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because... Uh, it's it's a long list. Um, first of all, they said there was no evidence that 2016 was hacked. Um, then they repeated Trump's false claims of fraud in Georgia, saying that the rioters, they also said the rioters didn't attend Trump's rally speech. That's a clear lie. They also claimed the attack came from extremists of various different stripes and political persuasions. It did not. Um, particularly egregious lie, was that Trump had no idea, and we spoke about this in the last segment, that former Vice President Pence was in danger when he sent out his tweet. He did know. He absolutely knew. And this is something that uh, I talked to Frank Fagliuzzi about today. He's like, let's talk to Trump's Secret Service, because they would have absolutely been given the message that Pence had been removed from the chamber the second that it happened from Pence's uh, team that would have gone to the Secret Service team of Trump, and they would have told the president. And so... Former president, excuse me, at uh, president at the time, but that's we call them in in, in this 9/11 style commission or in any congressional investigations. Um, and then here's an interesting tidbit, Andrew, and I I, I just learned this today. Last year, Vanderveen sued Trump, <laughs> yes, for making quote repeated claims about mail-in voting being unsafe. A personal injury lawyer by trade, Vanderveen had sued Trump on behalf of an independent political candidate in Pennsylvania.
2: So, I want to point out what that means, okay? Because um, Vanderveen, uh, like all of the rest of us who were lawyers, um, <laughs> including folks for whom you you might doubt whether they uh, are bound by the uh, model rules of professional conduct or not, but but we are, right? It's a precondition to being admitted to the bar. And one of the things that you have to do is you have to disclose potential conflicts of interest to future clients, right? This happens to me all the time. Now, it's not usually a conflict, but what happens is somebody will call my office and say, hey, uh, I want you to represent me. And, you know, I want you to, you know, draft up X document for my business, or I want you to sue this person who backed out of a contract or whatever. And I, I have to take down the initial information, right? Oh, who are you, right? And who do you want to sue? And then I have to do some research because if I've ever represented somebody who was adverse to the person calling me, or if I represented the person that they want to sue, I have to then clear up those conflicts. Right? It doesn't mean that I can't represent them, but it means in some cases that I can't. Um, what that means in this case was Vanderveen had to go to President Trump and say, um, "You, you know that uh, I." I did sue you before. Did he? Did, but did he? He had to. If he didn't, that is, there are very few things. I know this is, this is our segment. There are very few things that get lawyers disbarred, but representing a party without clearing a conflict is one of those things.
0: Mm, that might be part of it. It's super duper serious. He might have he done that. Um, We don't know. We'll learn more about it, right? Yeah. Uh, because there aren't many things that can get someone disbarred. Uh, and, and, you know, there are also the, the arguments. Well, it's not it's a political proceeding. It's not a court. But it's a it's a judicial proceeding. It, oh, absolutely. In yeah. the eyes of the law. It is a judicial proceeding. Now, uh, continue with bad lawyers. Do you want to move on to Lynn Wood or <laughs> did you have anything else that you wanted to talk about,
2: talk about with the uh, so can I just say, look, I I started taking notes about lies in the Republican prison and I just gave up. Right. Yeah. I mean, like it. it how, how do you respond to, you know, that little music video that they put together or the, you know, uh oh, Donald Trump only ever preaches law and order you know like go fuck yourself That right?
0: would be another part of, of of some impeachment porn that could have Leahy should have said that's not admissible to evidence because of your spooky forgetting Sarah Marshall music that you put behind it. get the fuck <laughs> out that is not admitted into evidence not admitted
2: yeah did he was within his power to do that within the rules set by the uh, the the Senate as res 47 um the one that really struck me. Well, I don't. There are a lot. This one was super bad when, uh, when Vanderveen said that you know there was a June protest at the White House that was just as bad as this, and you know nobody ever. And and I, it I I know that our listeners you know cannot be gaslit that easily, but but just just to be sure, no, no, there wasn't. Right? It, at no point was there a protest at the White House where. Antifa protesters pierced a security wall. That didn't happen. The only time people got hurt during that protest were the protesters that Donald Trump had tear-gassed so that he could hold a Bible upside down in front of a church he's never been in. Yeah. So uh, that was particularly gone.
0: And then to and then to attribute um, the vice president, current vice president Kamala Harris, whose name he kept mispronouncing on purpose, uh, to to say that she was condoning violence and looting and burning of retail shops and, and somehow, you know, after accusing the Democrats of doctoring evidence, which was also a lie, uh, then coming out with this music video, and which included total misrepresentation of, of what Kamala Harris had said.
2: Yeah, it—the— it, The fact that naked racism birtherism is rearing its ugly head around Kamala Harris, uh, you know, born in Oakland, California, um, is uh, is is disgusting. Members of Donald Trump's legal team uh, have have uh, have continued to sort of push those theories and the microaggression there. And you know you you you, you know you can laugh.
0: And there were many with it, by showing the video with uh, a, a lot of black women. Oh God, saying there were. It was disgusting. And then and then to for some reason bring up the case where they had where he. <laughs> Where <laughs> he talked about quote and I'm quoting here Negro block voting and then looked up and said well it was the '60s as if that wasn't just some random shot across the bow uh to to it was just driven home ugly yeah.
2: no it it look we we know they've that they, that they, they've they, you know it's not even a dog whistle anymore we know what it is but the but the 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 continued. Deliberate mispronunciation of, of of Kamala Harris's name is um is is a part of reinforcing that that worldview. But yeah, we can be done. <laughs> yeah, and
0: a little bit of it worked on me too because they kept saying the Democrat House managers, the Democrat House uh-huh. managers, the Democrats, the Democrats, the Democrats, to the point where I started to refer to them as the Democratic managers, and they're not; they're the House managers. They represent the House, and and so that that kind of stuff is on purpose and it sneaks in and it's and it's absolutely disgusting. The amount of anti Semitism that went on in the video shown at the ellipse before Trump's speech was horrifying. I don't know if you've seen that propaganda video that they showed.
2: Uh, I I I I did. I mean, you know, I, we you and I raised funds for John Ossoff, who was the victim of having his nose, nose digitally lengthened. Mm-hmm. I, I I mean, I, it, it is there. There is there is no bar too low for them to crawl under. But
0: and they did. Uh, they crawled under every single one. And they did. That's what happens when you're losing. And I'm I'm hoping he gets looked into. Um, as far as the bar the bar goes for for this behavior, now I want to continue on with bad lawyers. I want to talk about I want to talk about Lynn Wood because oh God. the State Bar of Georgia is working to take disciplinary action against Lynn Wood. Uh, he they filed a sixteen hundred page complaint about him, which was not public, but he posted it online. Look at this. Uh, and it says, "Quote The State Disciplinary Board of the State Bar of Georgia has received information concerning the above named attorney, Linwood, that suggests that said attorney may have violated one or more of the Georgia rules of professional conduct. The complaint specifically includes a subsection on frivolous lawsuits. Uh, it also says, quote, after the presidential election, Mr. Wood and his co-counsel Sidney Powell filed four frivolous lawsuits in swing states, Georgia, Wisconsin, Arizona and Michigan, where they falsely claimed voter fraud and sought to overturn election results. Each of these cases was dismissed. And Mr. Wood and his co-counsel could not even state a legally cognizable theory, let alone provide evidence for their unsupported claims. And then it goes on to accuse Wood of making false statements, including that there had been quote, been no finding by any court that evidence of election fraud is lacking. He actually said those words. The complaint also cites Wood's numerous inflammatory comments, calling Pence a traitor, a communist, a sympathizer, and a child molester, and claiming that Supreme Court Justice Chief Justice John Roberts conspired to assassinate Antonin Scalia. It also references his promotion of conspiracy theories that no one died in the January 6th attack on the Capitol, which he claimed, without evidence, was carried out by Antifa, dressed as Trump people. So that's among, those are just some little tastes of what's in this 1,600-page complaint against
2: Linwood. Yeah, and and so... A lot to unpack there, Um, but but first, let me answer the question, and it's um, as bad as you could imagine, and then some, as to why is it that Lynn Wood published a 1,600-page filing himself? And that has to do with how disciplinary proceedings work uh, in a state against a lawyer, right? And so, um, in general, the the investigation is undertaken by prominent lawyers in the state who volunteer, who have worked in connection with the state bar, right? I have, I've been asked, uh, I, I have never sat uh, on the uh, attorney grievance uh, committee uh, for Maryland, but, but I've been asked if I would volunteer for it before. I have friends on that committee, right? Um, that's how you get on the committee. Um, and so what Linwood did, and it this Cannot be expressed in uh, strong enough terms as to how disgusting, scumbag, borderline criminal behavior this is. Linwood posted the complaint, then uh, went on to an online platform called Telegram, which is yeah, yeah. for people who've been kicked off of Twitter for permanent, like Linwood, um, where he has 800,000 followers. And then he said, I want you. Here's the complaint. You go, you read it. um, And these are the people who are investigating, doxed each and every one of them and said, quote, I could use the help of an army of patriots. I want you to uncover. This is now a a paraphrase. The uh, the. Army of Patriots. In fact, I'm not going to paraphrase. I'm going to read Lynn Woods' word here.
0: Yeah, because it's really, really egregious. It's incredibly egregious. Yeah. And and this isn't, this wasn't, you know, I, I want to re- reiterate something that you brought up that's very important. These are the people on the board deciding this. This isn't uh, just, you know, uh, random politicians or Democrats that he doesn't like. This is, right, this is the board of people who have been chosen to look into this complaint.
2: To to investigate him and 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 most importantly, I mean, what I what I need to emphasize is these are not public figures, right? Maybe it was I I, I don't want to create a misleading impression when I said you know I I've been asked to do this, right? Because okay, I got a policy, you know look like if Linwood wants to come after me, he's welcome to come after me,
0: right? Right, but no, these are these are lawyers who serve as lawyers.
2: These are just people doing their job. Right. Who get asked to do it because they've been practicing law for a long time and they're good at it. So so what does he say? Quote, if you have any information that might impact the competency, qualifications or objectivity of any members, would you email that information to me? And then here's what he says. I mean... Their social media posts, their political affiliations, representative clients—for example—what if one or more of them represent Dominion? Lawsuits filed against them, etc., would all potentially provide me with relevant information that could form the basis of a challenge. That's—I I hope you can hear the anger in my voice. This is a. a Meant to be an apolitical process, policing conduct below and beneath the call of duty for an attorney and to then say you're going to hack that process uh, by uh, sicking a million goddamn trolls on good people by the way like most of these people are probably Republicans it's Georgia right we're talking lawyers in Georgia i'm thinking there are very few bernie sanders supporters among this, this group here um it 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 is uh, it, 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 it the words fail me because it's my yeah. fucking profession yeah. right i feel about it the same way you do when uh, you know we see these attacks on the civil service and um and, and it's just uh, uh there's their their disbarment is too good for linwood
0: flames on the side of my face heaving breathing heaving breaths <laughs> yes there's yeah. a clue reference for you well yep it, no i love it it's absolutely disgusting and we will continue to follow that uh for everyone here um and I, I don't see it ending well for Linwood, but we you know,
2: we will keep an eye on it for you. A a a Delaware court has already rescinded yeah. Uh, its motion to admit him pro Viche. I've never seen that happen. Didn't um, he
0: want to represent Carter Page or something? And they, yeah, no, that is he does, does represent
2: him, Carter Page, but um, they wouldn't and, let him, and, right? And, and and so what had happened was um,
0: <laughs> you're, he, too, you're too you're too shitty to represent Carter Page. <laughs> how do you how do you
2: like that on your fucking resume? Hey. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> that
2: is that is better than any story that I can tell, but I will tell you. So he was he was admitted, uh, and then the judge went and looked back at it and was like, wait a second, wait, you're that Linwood? Oh. Uh, and then and then had a show cause order and was like, I want you to write a brief that says why you should be allowed to practice in the state of Delaware. And he did. And the judge was like, well, this is bullshit. Yeah, like, no, no. Uh, this is, I can only do so much, but one of the things I could do for our profession is not allow you in here uh and uh that was fantastic and so you know we're seeing um uh, we're seeing some pushback and uh and 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 that's a good thing because um you know having this out here having the sydney powells out there um having the larry claymans out there it's just um it's not a good thing for our profession so
0: well moving forward from impeachment moving forward from lynn wood uh, you and I had the opportunity today to speak to former federal and state prosecutor, host of the Third Degree podcast, Ellie Honig, and we got to talk about the cases that are now going on or the, the criminal investigation that's going on in Georgia with regards to Donald Trump's call to Ben Roethlisberger. And, <laughs> sorry, yes, I, I know, love that. That'll never stop it's, being it's funny. It's I never mean, not going to y- be funny. You're a Browns fan, I'm a Ravens fan. It's always going to be yeah, funny. So, yeah, number seven. Number seven, Brad Raffensperger. Uh, <laughs> and also that how that uh, criminal inquiry has now expanded to include the call from Lindsey Graham. So everybody, yep. stick around. We'll be right back with Ellie Honig for that discussion. Stay with us. Hey everybody, it's AG for Clean Up on Aisle 45. Do you ever listen to the podcast and you have questions or opinions and you want to scream them at us? Well, you can now, because we go live on the Stereo app every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 Eastern. You can ask us your questions directly. Join us for uh, Clean Up on Isle 45 after-party Q&A for uncensored opinions and exclusive content only available on the Stereo app. I love Stereo. I'm on the app talking all the time. Follow me at Allison Gill. You can get notified every time I go live. We'll take a deep dive into a variety of topics and interact directly with listeners. So download the Stereo app for free and follow us at Stereo.com slash Gill. There's a link in the description of the show. And then join us on the Stereo app. Stereo app has thousands of live social conversations with a wide range of genres for every interest, including news, comedy, sports, and more. You can choose whether to be a co-host, participate as a guest, or just simply listen on exclusive conversations. So check it out every Tuesday. Andrew and I clean up on aisle 45 on the stereo app at 5 p.m. Pacific and 8 p.m. Eastern. Everybody, welcome back. We're joined today by former federal and state prosecutor and host of the Third Degree podcast, Ellie Honig. Ellie, welcome to Clean Up on Isle
1: 45. Thank you. I'm glad to be with you. I'm glad that we've carried over our relationship from from your prior podcast. And I have to to compliment you on an excellent podcast title. I love Clean Up on Isle 45. Um, I wonder what you would have done if, as some people wondered about, if Trump had resigned so that he could You know, theoretically get pardoned by Pence, that would have. Oh, no. Well, actually, I I take it back. Trump still would have been 45. Pence would have become 46 and Biden would be 47. So he could have messed Mm -hmm. that up.
0: Right. Yeah. No. And I kind of was hoping for that because I I turned 47 on Inauguration Day. Oh, so I sort of I sort of hoping for a a little bit of kismet there, but yeah.
1: alas. That would have been nice. <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway, I wanted to seize upon your expertise as a former state prosecutor. We often have you on here to talk about your, uh, you know, your knowledge of uh, federal prosecutions. But state prosecutions today with regards to the criminal grand jury investigation in Georgia over the Trump call between Trump and Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, excuse me, Brad <laughs> Raffensberger Number seven. Which has, yeah, right. Which has recently expanded. I, I just want to do Emily Littella. I don't understand all the fuss about the president talking to Ben Roethlisberger. Is that what you said? No, that's what she would say if she were here today. But uh, anyway, that has recently now expanded to include the Lindsey Graham call to the same office. And I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about that Georgia statute and how it seems particularly written for what happened in this situation.
1: Yeah. So, Georgia state law, like I would assume virtually every state has laws, generally speaking, against election fraud, right? And in Georgia, the law says that you cannot solicit, meaning just to ask somebody, you cannot solicit somebody to willfully engage in election fraud, which includes miscounting ballots or falsifying the certification of the outcome of an election. So as an example, out of a textbook, you would think of something like, oh, I don't know, a high ranking government official calling a Georgia state election official and asking him to count ballots that were never actually cast or to overturn the election, hypothetically speaking. Um, no, look, it seems right on point, all this stuff. But I guess as there are always going to be defenses and we can talk about those, but I think the defenses here will be sort of two species. One will be Lindsey Graham, likely Lee said, because his his call was not recorded that we know of. Lindsey Graham may just say that's not what happened. And then in the Donald Trump call, which was recorded with with Brad Raffensperger, um, he may say that was not my meaning or that was not my intent in ways that we can discuss.
2: Yeah, I I wanted to to drill down on that a little bit, Ellie. Um, it usually in uh, in any kind of criminal offense where you have to prove the intent, right? That that's sort of the the nub, right? And and uh, and I could see in a lot of uh, sort of parallel state statutes uh Donald Trump kind of relying on the defense of you know well i honestly believed that i was you know cheated out of the result um and and you know so for example like under the maryland state statutes it's not clear you know whether that would uh, that would get out the, the georgia law has this really interesting uh, uh detailed description the 212562 that says um any person who willfully inserts any false figure. Right. Number. Right. Is is guilty of a felony. Right. Is guilty of election fraud. And so it seems as though that's really going to preclude a, a Trump intent based defense. Right. Because regardless of what he truly believed. Right. If he if he truly believed he lost by four hundred thousand votes, as he says over and over again in the call, the, the fact that he's asked Raffensperger, well, just get just fine. Twelve thousand for me seems pretty damning. Does it strike you the same way?
1: Yeah, it does. So, so here's what the back and forth is going to be, right? Trump's defense will be, if, if he ever gets charged with this, or, or if he's trying to persuade the prosecutor not to bring the case, will be, look, he legitimately believed he won. He thought he won. And if he actually did think he would, I mean, imagine a scenario where someone genuinely felt they won. T- take this out of the Donald Trump context. It always helps, I think, to do that, right? And think back to, uh, I don't know, just say your, your run-of-the-mill race for a Georgia legislative seat. And one candidate just has reason to believe that he actually won when he narrowly lost and he, and he prevailed upon the Secretary of State to do a recount. That, that would not be a crime if there was a genuine belief. Now, the problem for Donald Trump is reality and his own words. One is this word, fine, right? <laughs> I need you to find 11,780 votes. I mean, you know, that is very different from, hey, Secretary of State, look, I just want to make sure that you've got everything covered here, that you've counted everything, that you've found all. The, no, I shouldn't say found. That that, you, that you've counted all the votes and that we have a full outcome here. That's very different than I need you to find. And then the other problem, as you said, Andrew, is this specification of the number eleven thousand seven hundred eighty, which coincidentally is enough to give Donald Trump the state by one vote. And the thing that's so telling about that is he says, "I need you to find eleven thousand seven hundred eighty votes." But he means all Trump votes, right? He doesn't just mean, (laughs) right? Because I mean, if he found 11,780 and five of them were for Biden, then Trump would have lost. So he's saying find 11,780, but only ones for me. So that's tough to defend.
0: Well, yeah. Because if I, you know, if somebody uh, steals my identity, And charges $400,000 on my credit card, but I really only want to buy some burritos, I'm not going to call Chase Bank and say, I don't need the $400,000. I just need $7 right now. Yeah. Uh, Fair comparison. That's, yeah, that's, but, you know, that would just make me dumb, not. (laughs) criminal um now the 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 thing here is and i think that graham lindsey graham now as you said that phone call wasn't recorded it was actually the call from graham that prompted raffensperger to record the trump call right right exactly Um, now i think graham has some better defense than than trump Does First of all, because it wasn't recorded. Second of all, he didn't ask for a specific number. Third, he was asking about something about signature verification. And then it kind of goes to uh, testimony about who knows what was said on the call. So I think that... Even I think it's definitely a prosecutable case, but Lindsey Graham has a little bit bigger window of defense than Donald Trump does in this case. Would you agree?
1: I do. I do. So let's you know, let's just appreciate sort of the the strangeness of this situation to begin with. (laughs) Lindsey Graham is not the senator from Georgia. He's a senator (laughs) from a different state. Right. He represents South Carolina. He gets on the phone with the Georgia secretary of state. And then what happens next is somewhat in dispute, as you noted, Allison. Raffensperger's account is essentially, well, he asked me whether I, whether it would be possible for me to throw out mail-in ballots only from certain counties. You can guess which counties. Um, And, you know, Graham would have those defenses that you said, you know, they would be like, there would be very much of a, he said, he said about what was said on the call, what the intent was. Graham would probably be able to, and I imagine was smart enough to frame his, his queries as queries and say, you know, well, I'm just wondering, you know, do you have that discretion? Does the law allow you to do this? Rather than I need you to do this. Donald Trump just says, I need you to do, I just need you to find, but you know, Graham is savvy. And I imagine if he, uh, you know, even Raffensberger's account is that he asked whether I could. So I think Lindsey Graham, I think that's going to be a tough charge to bring. And by the way, it's a tough thing to charge Donald Trump also in large part, just because he's Donald Trump and you know what, what that's going to entail. But I think on the merits, the case against Lindsey Graham is, is more difficult. I, I think where I could see Lindsey Graham falling here is receiving a subpoena uh, and then being made to testify. Um, or you just get Raffensperger to testify. But either way, you do need that predicate. You need that explanation for why why Raffensperger was sort of hinked up or, or alerted enough that he felt like he had to record the Trump call that followed a few weeks later.
2: Yeah, let's let's drill, drill down on that a little bit. I mean, I, the way I read um, the transcript of the phone call and sort of the available evidence, I mean, it seems to me, a pretty slam dunk ability of uh, Fannie Willis, the the Fulton County DA, to be able to go to a grand jury and procure an indictment of Donald Trump, even if he is Donald Trump. So I I, I guess twofold question number number one, um, am, am I being overly optimistic? I mean, is there sort of a, a block that I'm not looking at? And number two assuming that that's the case, what what are the kind of factors that would be going through her mind in deciding whether to do that, whether to pursue, um, you know, sort of how you how you balance thinking about bringing a, a case against a former yeah. president?
0: Well, I imagine she's probably also thinking about her own personal safety and the safety of her family.
1: Yeah, I, I think she's thinking about a lot of things. It's a really a complex calculation, although I would say again sort of moderating against that, Allison, is the fact that she is doing a press tour, which I think is the wrong move right here. She went on Maddow. She interviewed with the New York Times. That does not suggest somebody who's afraid for her safety. So let me start with that. And she should not be doing this, by the way. That is not the right move for a prosecutor. I don't care who your target is. There's no benefit to you, to your office, to your investigation to do that. At DOJ, you are trained. You are not allowed to do that. Yes, you can make you. Can yeah, do a- couldn't you taint a jury and make an appeal a little easier? That too, Yep, you could prejudice a jury. You could give Donald Trump a defense. There's a defense of selective or vindictive prosecution. He can argue she singled me out for special treatment because of politics. That's an actual defense. So there's nothing good, there's no benefit in it. She should not be doing this um, in terms of the press tour. Yes, when you make a, a a case, when you bring an indictment or make an arrest, you always will see prosecutors standing behind a podium. But at that point, you have a case and your investigation may be over or partially over, and you have a grand jury or a judge who has found probable cause. So you're not tainting somebody. So right. the concerns here are not just are for Donald Trump. Look, Donald Trump has rights. He has right not to have his reputation tainted before he's been charged. But also for, for just the, the benefit of the case itself, there, there's no upside to this for, for, for the DA. So uh, I question her for that. Um, what factors will she be taking into consideration? You know, the short answer is all of them, I mean you have to look at how how strong how strong your case is. And look, it's a scary thing to charge a person who is as powerful as Donald Trump, who is as manipulative as Donald Trump, who you know will launch a counterattack. He will not just be defending himself. He will be attacking you and your whole office and everyone around you. And, and candidly, I think that intimidation factor has has probably, um, influence other prosecutors. I still wonder why Mueller wasn't more aggressive in stating his findings. Um, and also, look, there's just the reality of if you're going to charge Donald Trump, you are going to bring a spotlight on yourself. You're going to take all the oxygen and attention away from everything else your office is doing. And that's something that people need to consider. So it's not an easy it's not an easy decision to make. But she needs to consider all those things. I almost wonder if by doing this little press tour, she's almost backed herself into a corner. I mean, how do you do this? How do you go around? you know, interviewing on matto and talking to the New York Times and and then ultimately come up and say, nah, we didn't quite have it. So I, I wonder how this plays.
0: Yeah. And also something you brought up uh, quickly about the grand jury, which I think is convening in March. It is a Georgia grand jury. So we also have to consider that it's not t- fully up to the D.A. Uh, it's whether charges are brought. Correct. I mean, it's it's up to the grand jury.
1: Correct. I mean, I'll say this about the D.A., uh, excuse me, about the grand jury. And I think Andrew can probably knows this as well. The, the people joke that they're that the grand jury is largely a rubber stamp, that the grand jury would indict a ham sandwich. That's pretty close to true in my experience as a prosecutor. I mean, you know, you go into the room and there's 20, 23, however many people there. And the majority of them, in my experience, are just sort of reading the New York Daily News sports page, <laughs> and they're just sort of waiting for you to finish. I mean, they used to say to us, when we were done putting our evidence in, go, say, OK, go ahead outside and we'll knock on the door when we're done. And you'd wait outside and literally 90 seconds later, you'd have a knock saying we're done. So it's pretty one sided. I mean, I think in a more complicated case like this, a grand jury would be more likely to pay attention and to scrutinize the evidence. But the bar is also fairly low. Probable cause just means more likely than not. So. Um, it is a check, I guess, on prosecutorial power, but largely, um, I think, symbolic more than in reality.
0: Well, I mean, there's a very high rate success rate for I know for federal prosecutions. I I, I wouldn't think oh, that yeah. uh, they would bring anything before a grand jury or,
1: or any charges unless it was pretty slam dunk in the first place. Right. Yes. Good point. Yeah. And, and there's a lower rate for state. But that's mostly when you're talking about just straight cop cases like cop made an arrest. It's one cop as the witness and he lost the evidence or the cop did something sloppy. Those are the cases that grand juries throw out pretty quickly in the state system. This is different than that, though. All
0: right, Ellie, thanks so much. Tell everybody about your new podcast and, and where they can find you. Yeah.
1: So we're third degree. Uh, we we were covering the impeachment every day. Now we'll continue to cover this story and many other stories, Trump related and non-Trump related or wherever you can find podcasts. We're through Cafe, which is Preet Ferrara's network. The show is doing great. The wrinkle that we have coming soon is that we're going to bring in, we, we've identified and auditioned a group of fantastic law students from around the country. And every Friday, we're going to rotate one of them in with me to sort of be my sidekick and co-host. Uh, so that should oh. be fun for them and fun, fun for the audience, too.
2: That That's a fantastic idea. I love that.
1: Thanks. So. Yeah. Thanks. Do they
0: get credit for that? Do they get like school credit for that? <laughs> I would.
1: No, but we pay them $100,000 per episode. So, you know, that that's. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: Uh-huh. I, I I may
2: have some volunteers at that rate. So. <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I may start law school if
2: that's the case.
1: <laughs> this, this is actually this is how we found our students. We talked to our friends who teach all over the country and we ended up I guess I won't give too much away, but we ended up. Picking three students from all over the country, from from across the country, and uh, they're wonderful. I can't wait to introduce them to the world.
2: That is super cool. What
0: a great idea. Thanks so much. Thanks. Ellie, it's been wonderful talking to you, former federal and state prosecutor and host of Third Degree, the new podcast. Please check it out. Ellie Honig, I appreciate your time.
1: Thanks, AJ. Thanks, Andrew.
0: Hey, everybody. It's AG for Clean Up on L45. Can you believe it's February already? It's almost March, and I think it was just March. But unlike 2020... Time is kind of flying by this year. We've got a lot to get done. February is also the shortest month of the year, so we've got slightly less time to check off all of our February to-dos. But luckily, Policy Genius can help you kill two birds with one stone. You can compare home and auto insurance rates and save up to one thousand and fifty-five dollars per year by reshopping. That is money you can put towards the things you really care about and need. You know, whatever it is that it, you know, that you that you need this year. That's a lot of savings. But here's how it works. First, head to PolicyGenius.com. Answer a few quick questions about yourself and your. Then Policy Genius will take it from there. They'll compare rates from over 30 top insurers from Progressive to Nationwide to find you the lowest quote. The Policy Genius team will look at all the ways to maximize your savings, including building your home and auto policies for you. If Policy Genius finds a better rate than what you're paying now, they'll switch you over for free. It's no wonder that with that level of service, Policy Genius has earned a five star rating, over 1,600 reviews on Trustpilot and Google. If you're worried that March is right around the corner and you've barely gotten anything done, take a deep breath. Policy Genius will help you make the most of this short month in minutes. Just reshop your home and auto insurances, and you could save up to over $1,000 a year. Head to policygenius.com. To get started right now. Policy genius. When it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time to say goodbye to you, uh, to some very special folks who will be leaving their jobs uh, having worked for the Trump administration. And uh, we're going to we have a great lineup for you today in Bubby. First of all, this story broke right after our recording of episode four. But President Biden has asked 56 of the 58 U.S. attorneys appointed by Donald Trump to resign. The first exception, of course, is David Weiss. He's the U.S. attorney in Delaware. He's uh, the one investigating Hunter Biden's taxes, um, uh, so far as we know. And so that's President Biden acting like a president should. I'm not going to remove the U.S. attorney investigating my son. That's a conflict of interest. Uh, the second exception, John Durham, who is out as U.S. attorney for Connecticut. He was asked to resign as U.S. attorney, but he remains as the special Bill Barr handpicked counsel investigating <laughs> the oranges of the Department of Justice's probe into the connections between Trump and Russia, the Trump campaign in Russia. Uh, I He shouldn't by the special counsel rules. He should not. Even be allowed to serve as special counsel because he was working as a U.S. attorney when he was appointed. But, you know, whatever, rules, schmools. Biden is not getting rid of him either. So uh, that's fine to let go anyway because Durham, had he had anything, it would have come up within the first, you know, the two weeks <laughs> leading up to the election. He doesn't have shit and he knows no. it and everybody knows it. So just let him finish his weird little job even though he's not even supposed to be there legally. Uh, but those are. The t- those are the two that are staying. Everybody else, to the other 56 of you, yeah. bye bye Yeah, goodbye to you. <laughs> now, already we've seen two, two U.S. attorneys announce their resignations. The first is uh, Bobby Christine. Bobby? Bobby, Bobby Christine, Christine that's a US attorney from the <laughs> Southern District of Georgia who Trump rather suspiciously named as acting US attorney for the Northern District of Georgia that's the one that includes Atlanta by the way and that was right after a Raffensburger tape surfaced and the incumbent BJ Pack resigned that's the weird one that's the controversial one well he's resigned yeah <laughs> uh Christine is now out at both jobs <laughs> he is, well, he, bye is bye. <laughs> he is not the US attorney in either the northern or southern districts. Uh, so Bye bye. Enjoy private
2: practice. <laughs> we we we've also learned that uh, W. Stephen Muldrow, that was the Florida lawyer that Trump appointed to be the U.S. Attorney for Puerto Rico back in 2019, has also tendered his resignation effective February. <laughs> I'm glad this isn't a leap year. And following up on our story from last week, Senator Tammy Duckworth has formally sent President Biden a letter, quote, requesting that you. Use your authority under 39 USC 202 to immediately replace the entire USPS board of directors, which would then allow the new Postal Service board to vote in a new Postmaster General replacing the staggeringly incompetent Nepotista Luis DeJoy. Duckworth's letter notes that the Postal Service Office of the Inspector General's report was that no one in the entire USPS leadership completed, and and I've got to quote this here quote, even a single study, analysis, or pilot test, end of quote, to model or even understand the impact of the self-described transformational changes that DeJoy implemented last summer that um, have led to nobody getting their fucking meds. Yeah,
0: I didn't didn't get my meds as a veteran for for a long time. And- Yeah. And here's the interesting thing, because we went over this before. There's actually enough vacancies where Biden could just fill them and have a majority. But Tammy Duckworth is asking to replace the entire board. Yeah, I think she's right.
2: I mean, we've talked. This is not just a DeJoy issue. This is if if you had anything to do with the post office in the past year. um, Yeah. Goodbye. Goodbye to you. Get out. And finally, this isn't a Trumper, but it is an icky story,
0: which I'm glad we got a quick resolution for. Over the weekend, reports surfaced about White House Deputy Press Secretary T.J. Ducklow having verbally threatened and harassed Politico's Tara Palmieri, who was pursuing a story about Ducklow's relationship with another reporter. On Friday, Vanity Fair published a report that Ducklow reportedly made derogatory and misogynistic threats toward Palmieri, vowing to, quote, destroy her if she published the story. Ducklow was initially suspended without pay and then resigned the next day. No malarkey. Now, I will say that when Jen Psaki put out the statement on Twitter that he was being suspended without pay for a week, I was like, what the fuck, Chuck? I thought it was no ifs, ands, or buts. And I got a couple people pushing back saying, well, Paul Murray isn't technically his colleague. And I'm like, look, if you don't consider a reporter a colleague of a deputy press secretary, Okay, fine. But does that mean then you can then treat them like shit? Like, it just didn't make any sense to me. So, bye bye.
2: Yeah, bye-bye, bu- 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 and, and I agree with you on that. And this is some patron news to uh, to take us out. If you have been supporting the show over at www.patreon.com slash aisle45pod, we really appreciate it. We are working on bringing your Patreon benefits. And here's the first one. This Friday, February 19th, 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 Pacific. We're gonna do our first Patreon only QA live over Zoom. You'll get the link if you're a patron and uh at any level and you can uh you can show up um and uh and we are gonna have an existing thread uh that will be posted in the Patreon forums at patreon.com slash all forty-five pod. And you know how that works. If you've, if you've done any of these with OA, uh, you get to go and post the questions you want us to answer. They can be topical. They can be political. They can be personal. They can be crazy. Um, you upvote the ones with the heart that you want us to answer and, um, and we'll answer them. And it's a lot of fun. We will do that. We will record the audio and you will get that even if you can't make it, but if you can join us live, um, should be a lot of fun. Yeah, you're a patron. You get the link to the Zoom call. And if you miss it,
0: you're a patron. We're going to post the video in the on the patron page, the Patreon page. So it's going to be rad. It's a great first perk for everyone. I look forward to it. And also, if you're into interesting live Q&A platforms, we will be on stereo every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific and 8 p.m eastern that is open to the public you just have to download the free stereo app and uh, find andrew torres and myself allison gill follow us you can set up an account by going uh to stereo.com slash allison gill two l's and allison two l's and gill you can set up that way follow us and uh it's you know just a cool free thing you can it's a little more irreverent uh like exclusive stuff that you won't necessarily get on this on this particular podcast but again that's every tuesday at 5 that's free if you're not a patron and you can't swing that that's a free thing you can do download the stereo app for free and find us there and we will post the link we do it on all of the socials right before that on tuesday at 5 pacific time
2: yep. and one last thing we are going to announce our hall of fame patrons once a month we're closing in on that but uh, here's a sneak peek of our top 10 patrons so far january 20 baby <laughs> love that chris simpson Charles Jones, Jameel Chohan and Jameel R. Chohan. And I like to think that that's a father and son competing to outdo each other. But, you know, it's probably a Patreon yeah. glitch. Who knows? But I like the idea that they're like a <laughs> locked in combat. Jessica Outbeer. We love you, Jessica. Jay Baker, Patty B., Jason Copus, and Mitchell. So thank you for supporting. And um, we're going to continue to uh, show show love to those who help make the show go. Thank you very much.
0: Yeah. We love Jessica Outbeer over on the, on the Daily Beans, too. Just an absolutely incredible patron. Um, I see her on our Zoom happy hour calls for that show. Thank you all so much for supporting this show. If you could just go find us and give us a rating, um, that would be absolutely wonderful. And make sure you subscribe if you haven't subscribed already. That helps us out a lot, too. Well,
2: that's it for the show. Thanks, everybody. And we will see you next week. Same time, same channel. Cleanup on Aisle 45 is
0: written and produced by Allison Gill and Andrew Torres and is engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Audio. Fact-checking and research by Allison Gill and Andrew Torres with quality assurance and media by Muller She Wrote, LLC. Branding, design, and logo by Starburns Audio and Joel Reader with Moxie Design Studios. And our copy is written by Jesse Egan. Our music is written and recorded by Adam Orr and Christopher Hoffey and our opening sequence is designed by Allison Gill and mixed by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Audio. Follow us on Twitter at Aisle 45 Pod and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Don't miss our cleanup on aisle 45 after party on the Stereo app. We'll be going live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 Eastern, and we want to hear from you. Our first Stereo show went a little bit like this. Uh, I'll hit the button now. That's good. Hi there. Hey, I need a reality reality check, and maybe after all we've been through in the past four to five years, that is more than reasonable. But I'm worried that I'm being a little paranoid here because I can't shake this feeling that the Axio story about the Offer Rails meeting that was... That, the, uh, that that accident the story was planted to try to polish Trump's role in the insurrection to remove some of the culpability for Trump believing the big lie to move some of the blame off of Trump believing that he could fight for staying in the presidency That's on to Powell maybe to claim that he was not at fault for his statements that the election was stolen and inciting the red insurrection or to create some doubt about his guilt anyway what are your thoughts about this and by the way I loved hearing Torres say the word "fuck." That was perfect. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Anka. Yeah. Uh, first of all, I, I, lots of media is planted. Um, <laughs> so to 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 get that story of the off the rails meeting with Powell, feeding him all these ideas and riling him up, could be a, a, a plausible deniability type. Uh, situation. I don't know. What do you think, Andrew? Uh, She's also just crazy. Stereo is the app for live social conversations, and we want to talk directly with you, the listeners. And you can join our show, ask questions about news, politics, or anything else, share your experiences and opinions. We want to hear everything. So download the app now and join us live this week, Tuesday, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Link to the show in the description and join us on the Stereo app.